Welcome to Spring Creek Church Online. Thanks for connecting today. My name is Dr. Jessica Fernandez, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Spring Creek Church. I'm just so thankful that you're able to connect from wherever it is that you are in the world to be here today to listen to the Word of God together. Last week, Pastor Keith talked about the angels and their role in Jesus's birth. He talked about a a great observation concerning Linus, a character in Charlie Brown's Christmas, who tells everyone the true meaning of Christmas. Pastor Keith asked us a great question last week that actually had me thinking about it all week long. And the question is, what is your blanket? And if you're not sure what I mean, then I highly encourage you to watch last week's sermon, This Changes Everything, Angels. But keeping in the Christmas spirit this week, I'd like to tell you about another Christmas movie classic, one of my favorites as a child, the 1964 version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Santa's lead reindeer, Donner, and his wife have a new baby reindeer, Orphan, named Rudolph. They are shocked to find out that he was born with a glowing red nose. Donner wants to protect his son from being made fun of, so he makes him wear a fake nose uh, to cover the big, bright red one on his face. But his true self was discovered at the reindeer games as he was playing with all his friends when the nose falls off and everyone sees the true condition of his nose. He was rejected by his friends, his coach, and even Santa. Rudolph, because he was so different, is now considered a misfit, an outcast, and an oddball. He meets other misfits, and after facing some challenges, they end up on an island filled with misfit toys who have been forgotten, unloved, and unwanted. Like the train with square wheels, or the polka-dotted elephant, or a cowboy who rides an ostrich. In the fear that the abominable snowman would find them there because of Rudolph's bright red nose, he runs away and finds his way back home. And then he realizes that his parents are missing. He finds them in captivity by the abominable snowman and Rudolph and his misfit friends save the day by getting everyone to freedom and they actually rehabilitate the abominable snowman by making him a tree decorator. Christmas Eve comes, and while everybody is celebrating, Santa announces that that there's a big snowstorm, and it's going to force him to cancel Christmas. When Santa is blinded by Rudolph's bright nose, he has a great idea, and he changes his mind and asks Rudolph to lead the sleigh that would deliver all the toys to children all over the world. Rudolph accepts, and the first stop is the island of the misfit toys to pick up all the unwanted toys to bring to children everywhere to love. Though this is a cute little fictional story, there are big implications in this story. The story resonates with me because it's all about those in society who are forgotten, unloved, unwanted, ostracized, and criticized. It's about the underdogs with all the odds against them who make a comeback to impact the lives of all those around them, not because of their conformity, but because of their differences and walking with boldness because they are different. It reminds me personally that no matter where I've come from, what I've done, how forgotten, how unloved, how unwanted, how ostracized and criticized I may feel, There's nothing in all of this world or in all of creation that could ever separate me or you from the love of God.
It also reminds me of how God has used all people in the Bible to fulfill his promises to the world to save us in the form of a baby. In this series, This Changes Everything, we've been speaking about the impact of the birth of Jesus on the world, on the wise men, on the angels. And today I want to talk about the role of the shepherds in his birth written according to Luke. Let's read Luke chapter two, verses eight through 15. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, the peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Here we have God sending his angel to reveal the greatest news of all time to the shepherds. Here's the question that I have when I read this story. Why? Why did God choose them? Why did God choose the shepherds? If you're familiar with the Bible, you might be thinking of some of the most famous shepherds like Abraham, Jacob, Moses, and David. And for good measure, I'd like to mention Rachel, who actually was a shepherdess who became Jacob's wife. Or maybe what comes to mind are one of the most memorable verses concerning shepherds in the Bible, like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths of his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Or a popular parable found in Matthew 18, 12 that states, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Or when Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I mean, if Jesus is saying that he's a good shepherd, then being a shepherd is a great, noble and important job. And if Luke included the shepherds in his gospel, then they must be devout, honorable men and women to be privileged by God to receive such a grandiose announcement about the birth of Jesus. But on the contrary, shepherding had changed from a family business like in David's time to an occupation that nobody wanted and that nobody respected. In essence, like Rudolph, the shepherds were the misfits of their time. Luke likes to point out extreme differences or contrasts to strongly emphasize the message because there is testimony in contrast and there is power in the testimony. And for those of you that are watching right now, I'd like to, to write in the comments, hashtag power in the testimony. 
For example, Luke 10 describes the contrast between Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha invite Jesus to their house. Well, Martha spends all her time cleaning and preparing food for all the people. But Mary spends her time at the feet of Jesus, delighting in his presence. So the contrast is time spent with Jesus versus works we do for Jesus. In Luke 23, he shows us the extreme difference between the two criminals that are hanging on each side of Jesus as he's being crucified. One insulted Jesus, but the other recognized that he was truly the son of God. In the same way, Luke wants us to focus on the contrast of who we think the shepherds are and who they really were. Or the question is, who really were these shepherds? They had a bad reputation and came from a despised class of people. Many of these shepherds were accused of robbery and using land that wasn't even theirs. They were considered unreliable and they were so unreliable that they weren't even allowed to give testimony in court. And since their job was a 24 hour, seven day a week kind of job, it kept them from observing ceremonial law like the Sabbath, which was extremely important to the religious people. This would be like my daughter introducing me to a new boyfriend and saying to me, mom, I've met the best guy ever. You're going to love him. I mean, he's such a dependable guy that he literally works 24-7, so he'll never have time to go to church with me. And he's the smartest ever. He saves so much money that he uses other people's stuff and they don't even know about it. And he never has to worry about doing jury duty because he's so unreliable, like they don't even want him. And I never have to worry about another girl wanting him because he has a little bit of an odor, but I can totally live with that. I mean, seriously, how perfect is he? There is power in contrast. Only God would visit those in such a low occupation and raise them to be a witness to the beginning of his awesome work of salvation. Only God can see the unseen and make them part of his master plan. Let's read Luke chapter 2, 15 through 20. The story continues. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child. And all who had heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to the flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. What I find interesting is that the shepherds didn't allow what the others believed about them to stop them from spreading the good news. They were so impacted by the experience that they quickly decided to go to Bethlehem to search for baby Jesus. When they found him with Mary and Joseph, the revelation that it was all true was so life-changing that it led them to tell all of everything that they had experienced with the angels and with baby Jesus. They were the first eyewitnesses to the miracle and there was power in their testimony. The experience had changed them forever. The testimony of the shepherds results in three responses. The first is astonishment of the heavens. Verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Though being amazed by the testimony is not necessarily faith in Jesus, but hearing a testimony of God's word directed to us can be a first step in faith. Second, 
is the pondering of Mary, verse 19. It says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary protected and treasured the testimony of the shepherds. With the help of God, she interpreted the events in her heart to understand their difficulty for right understanding. The third and the last response is the testimony of the shepherds caused praise of the community. Verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. The shepherd returned back to their communities to praise and glorify God. They returned to their everyday tasks, but never forgetting how God had revealed to them the greatest announcement ever proclaimed to the world. The testimony of Jesus's birth should evoke the same responses in us. We should be astonished and amazed by Jesus, our Savior, who came to the earth to live as a human so that he can experience the same very things that we experience today. This alone should take our breath away. We should keep the testimony of Jesus in our hearts and ponder to seek to understand with the power of the Holy Spirit how his birth, life, and death affects how we live every single day of our lives. Jesus' birth should evoke us to praise and worship him within our communities so that we can continue to give testimony of who he is, what he has done, and what he will continue to do. So this brings me back to the question that I asked in the beginning. Why? Why did God choose them? God chose the shepherds because joy comes to all people. I said it, to all people. No one is excluded from this. Luke 2, 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The good news of Jesus elicits joy, not fear. Joy is the inward feeling of happiness and contentment that bursts forth in rejoicing and praise. Joy comes not just to the lowly shepherds or isolated parents uh, from home, but to all people in the most unlikely of places and the most unlikely of observers, God brushed aside the world's fears and provided the world reason for joy. Joy is not something that you earn. It's not something that you possess, but it comes by way of God's gift in the manger. God chose the shepherds because God reveals the good news to the most unlikely of people. Only God would use those who were disqualified from serving as legal witnesses in legal cases, but were qualified to be the first witnesses of the gospel, not because of any natural talents and abilities, but because the word had been told to them. James Edwards, the author of the gospel, according to Luke, wrote, it is not witnesses who invoke the word but the word that calls, creates, and empowers witnesses. But God, in his infinite grace and mercy, revealed his glory to these shepherds, these outcasts, these misfits, who were the first to be told the good news of Jesus. They were the first evangelists, and they were the first preachers, and they were the first worshipers. God is in the business of loving the unlovable, and forgotten. He wants to show us how everything changes 
when we have a true encounter with him. I can give a list of names of the most unlikely people who would have been considered a misfit from the Bible who God revealed himself to. But the question is, how has God revealed himself to you? Who were you before you knew Jesus? When I was 18 years old, I remember being overwhelmed by sadness, loneliness, and hopelessness. I wondered if my life would ever be different and if I would ever find true peace and security. I had just failed out of college and I felt like a complete failure. I was in such a dark place that just to have some company, my boyfriend at the time invited one of his friends to come over to do my hair. Honestly, we didn't even like each other, but some company was better than no company, I guess. But God had other plans. She came over, and as she was doing my hair, she began sharing with me uh, how she sang worship at her church. I told her that I was actually raised in church, but my family and I hadn't been back in years because alcoholism had ravished our home. She was actually shocked because from the outside, I was a misfit. I felt angry. I felt bitterness. I felt forgotten. I felt unseen. I felt unloved. And it was all displayed in my behavior. She shared her testimony with me of how God had changed her life and filled her with joy. And how serving him had brought her fulfillment that she had never experienced in her life. Then without hesitation, she invited me to church to hear her sing. I mustered up enough courage and went to church that Sunday. When I walked in, I looked around and I saw my grandparents sitting in the back pew. When my grandmother saw me, she said, I've been praying for you. I can't tell you what songs they sang. I can't tell you what the sermon was about. But what I can tell you is the love that I felt that day from our Heavenly Father was like nothing I had ever felt before. That day I accepted him and his invitation to be in relationship with me. And it was the beginning of my new journey with Jesus. My passion for God, my passion for telling you about Jesus is because of the contrast of who I was before and who I am now. Are you so amazed and thankful that it leads you to share your love story with Jesus, with all those around you? Maybe he's revealing himself to you right now because he loves you no matter who you are, what you do where you came from, or what you've done. And he tells us this in his word in Romans 8, 38 and 39, one of my favorite Bible verses. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're ready to accept the invitation that Jesus has made to you today to be in relationship with him, repeat after me and let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for sending your son in the form of a baby so that we can have eternal life and be with you forever and that we could be saved from death. I invite you in my heart. I invite you to live there. And I want to be in relationship with you. I thank you, Jesus, for this gift of eternal life. 
And for all those that already have Jesus in their heart, repeat after me, God, I thank you. I give you all the glory, Lord Jesus. I want to remember always, Father, that there was power in my testimony. And I pray, Father, that when fear enters in my heart, Lord Jesus, and I'm not able to share, Lord, that I will remember the joy that dwells within me, that gives me courage, Father, and excitement and astonishment, Lord, to share of all the amazing things that you have done in my life. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you have accepted Jesus in your heart, I would love to hear about it. If you could send that information, send us a note at info at springcreekchurch.org. We will definitely respond to you right away. Guys, have a wonderful holiday and I will see you next week.